Hello, and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. We are here on January 17th. 2021 and we hope you guys all enjoyed our last episode it was our first time interviewing somebody and it was the incredible host of the transformative page watch out philly which i I don't know about you but i just think that it was an awesome interview yeah i so to give a little um further insight too we talked for several hours that was a shortened you know condensed episode of all that but she was amazing she had so much insight just and just a, an incredible person too it was really cool to have that experience and opportunity you know to learn more about her page and just learn more about her as a person so yeah yeah she was spectacular she's a philly girl too so we hope we can grab drinks with her sometime when all this covid stuff is over yes. and done with Um, But yeah, she was just a real do-gooder. I think that's what I was super struck by was just how from a really young age, um, one thing that got cut out from the interview, because like you said, we had just hours of footage with her, um, was just her talking about how from a really young age, she just had this interest in defending the weak and downtrodden and the people who couldn't defend themselves. And she never went to law school like us. Um, she actually is so much smarter than us for that I reason. Swear, yeah. Like. <laughs> but she avoided that horror show and just skipped right to helping people in her own way, which is so unbelievably cool. And she's yeah. just done so much for the women of Philadelphia in so many different ways through her page. Yeah. And I mean, I personally consult her page when I hear about something weird going on in Philly or if I just want to see what's going on and where it's going on. Her page is excellent. It's such a good resource. I just hit up Watch Out Philly and she's got all of the recent news and just areas to steer clear of, people to steer clear of, what to watch out for. So we're really, really grateful that she came on the show and we just loved her. We loved talking to her. We got so much out of it and we're so grateful that she came. Yeah, it was, I don't know, just like you're saying, as a a person too, you can just feel, uh, you just got the sense after this interview that she is in it for the right reasons. She is just passionate about this and that's what I think really came through after meeting with her was like, doesn't matter about you know the fame and accolades or anything like that she is really in it to do the right thing and to just be a support for women in Philadelphia so totally and yeah to the contrary as you probably noticed we obviously didn't disclose her name her situation any real identifying details about her because her primary concern is pushing the page forward and pushing the, you know, different goals of the page forward rather than pushing herself forward. Exactly. So um, her name and all of that other stuff just doesn't even... It's secondary. Yeah, it really is to her larger goals of helping the women of Philadelphia. And um, hopefully in the future, she'll expand her platform to multiple states across the nation and find ways to help women in all different cities all around America. I think America. she can do it too. And I think I think the way that her page has blown up in just the last couple months, like that was really surprising to me was how short of a time she'd kind of been on social media and created this page. Like I think that's a testament too. Like she's going places. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's shocking how I think she got 4,000 followers in like less than a month. And we were just blown away by that. It's clear that 
she just she really has what it takes to go the distance yeah. and to take this on the road and yeah. put herself on the map. So yep. hats off to her. You were an awesome guest. We loved having you. And we hope that we can bring her back on in maybe six months time or, you know, sometime down yeah, the road do in the a, future. Yeah. Follow up recap, all that stuff. Yeah. Kind of where are they now situation. Exactly. Um, but our liberty this week is more than just um, raving about Watch Out Philly's host, although we could do that for another hour. Yeah. But we also wanted to bring up what happened last week at our nation's capital. Mm-hmm. And that was the storming of the capital by MAGA yeah. crazy folks who were all kind of spurred on um actually there's nothing kind of about it yeah, they were it's pretty, entirely I was gonna say, it's, it's pretty much captured on film you yes. know like the yeah like what started it what caused it what you know incited it all yeah. that stuff yeah and what happened if you've been living under a rock as usual we'll give you an easy to digest format of the news here is that president trump gave a speech wherein he told the masses that They were going to go storm the Capitol. They were Mm going to go walk there. He was going to walk with them. And they, you know, the crowds did it. They all marched towards the Capitol. Yeah. They broke in. It was 100% domestic terrorism. These folks were not out for good. They were not out for any real goals. They were out for demanding the presidency back from Joe Biden, who rightfully and lawfully won. And, yeah, there were just some procedural things going on in the Capitol that day. And in order to stop that and to halt process, these people, thousands of people broke in. It's It's crazy. And um, wearing their MAGA hats, some of them wearing, like, helmets with bison horns on them. They look like Vikings, painted like fucking Braveheart. Like, God knows what they were doing. (laughs) And just broke through. And there are pictures of these senators and the reps and all that hiding you know on the floor clutching their heart i think um susan wilde yeah yeah, was the picture of her is just deeply sad she's laying down with her hand on her chest she looks like she's having a heart attack Ah, that's terrifying so these folks stormed the capitol at the direction of president trump and just you know really wrought havoc upon the capitol they broke things they broke windows they stormed through and i just personally think it's insane, first of all, that we all thought we were done with 2020. But yeah. six days in, you get this extravaganza where... It's 2020 plus one, yes, literally. 2021, yeah, W-O-N. Exactly. It won. Ugh. And nobody, everybody else One lost. and done. Ugh. One and done for real. But yeah, they, they broke right in and, you know, it was just a crazy... <laughs> I yeah. don't even well, know no. what to call it. No. A but, disgrace, frankly. But what I was going to say, I think the the one clip that I saw that was like, oh, my God, it, it just like brought to light how close things came was the one officer where he's he's kind of like leading them up the stairs. Yes. And at one point, there's somebody there filming it. And at one of the stairways, you see him at the top look to the left and he sees that the, the doors are open. Mm-hmm. And if he, it, you know didn't distract the people that were following him they could have gone in and you know gone after people there but he sees that and then kind of tries to distract them the other way and and i think like pushes the one guy just a little bit like you know on his shoulder or whatever to try to distract him and you know incite something to be like 
oh, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to go after him this mm-hmm. way. And so then he continues on and directs them away from that door. And that just is like, it's just crazy. It just, I don't know. It yeah, just... I mean, talk about heroism. This guy is such a hero. He could have just taken the easy way out. It was one cop with a yeah, stick right. against these throngs of crazed lunatics. Yeah. And he chose to lead them down really a rabbit hole in the opposite direction of where all the senators were sitting open yeah. to attack. And for that, I mean, he really truly is a hero. And it's shocking the juxtaposition of this one black cop who was all by himself mm-hmm. armed with only a stick and outside the officers who now granted oh, footage is yeah. footage. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really there's much room for interpretation, but there's footage of these cops just opening up the barricade and letting people in. And to, I mean, I just I don't know how else you can interpret that other than to say this must have been some kind of inside job. Yeah. Something's going on here. And it's just obviously the cop with the stick wasn't in on it. Right. But it was no, a dark day. But it shouldn't have gotten it. to that point where he's alone trying to defend, you know, and having to handle all this stuff. Yeah. Like, and acting essentially as bait. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It was really impressive on his part, though, the quick thinking. Yeah. Like to come up to the top of the stairs, look the one way, see the doors open and immediately like, you know, just just instinctively distract and go another way. I thought that was really, I don't know, just just inspiring in the craziness of all this stuff. So heroic and so cool and obviously just a light in the midst of all this fucked up darkness yeah. and crazed lunacy. I just can't even believe. And frankly now like thanks a lot you made a fool of us and we look like we really don't have our shit together we look like our capital is wide ass open Mm -hmm. because these people all just stormed in gee i wonder if other countries are gonna notice this and say hey america's doors are wide ass open any of us could just storm right in and take over and put our feet up on the desk with our maga hats on and our confederate flags and do whatever because that's how much respect they have for their country oh it's just it's really scary yeah and it's yeah and next week so this episode airs on tuesday the 19th wednesday the 20th is inauguration day so that's the day that joe biden is going to be sworn in as the new president i'm scared it's yeah the build-up to it too now is just i think it's just going to be a scary day because now we saw this which was on the 6th and now we're just kind of building up and building up and i know washington dc is obviously just calling in everybody to try to make things secure but i think it's terrifying i don't i just i don't know it's going to be a scary scary day yeah and not to mention i mean january 20th is obviously what everybody's expecting but what we're not expecting is all the other days of the calendar year and if you're smart which i doubt these people are because they all looked inbred and were missing teeth and had cross eyes and the whole nine obviously they're antifa just disguising themselves as trump supporters right that's why they looked so specific but in any event i mean if these people were really smart they wouldn't arrange for something on um, inauguration day they would arrange- give them ideas though. i know yeah that's so true anyway <laughs> no so, but you're right speaking but- of lunacy speaking of 
just a yeah, cult following. I was going to say mob mentality. Mob mentality, such a good way of putting it. We have a topic today that is going to really make you rethink the way that you consider cults. Yeah, well, I'm going to say because people were saying that like it's a cult following of Trump. Like it's a cult mentality kind of thing in this whole situation. So it definitely, you know, if we got to find some segue, here's the segue. Yes, here's the segue. <laughs> and we're really excited to talk to you today about Nexium and Keith Raniere and how these women got pushed into this cult lifestyle without even really realizing yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's all the liberty we have for this week. Yep. And I think that that means we can get into our topic for today, which yes. I'm so excited about. I know you're excited <laughs> about it. Yes, it's, it's a creepy. interesting one. Oh, it's weird. It's just, yeah. it's out of the box over here. And it is Nexium and the sex cult that developed mm-hmm. therefrom. Yes. I, wow. So I wanted to hear just what your exposure was to this like had you heard of this because you're so much more well versed in just all these cool cases than I am usually I love these these interesting cases and it took me a little bit so I know you and I both talked about watching The Vow um the HBO documentary which Which is fabulous by the way it's fabulous but before getting like into it I think they could have shortened it. I'm just going to say it was nine episodes. I don't think it needed to be, but I think it was well done, but it took me like probably the first episode to realize that I was hearing again, the story of, um, Sarah. Oh yeah. Sarah Edmondson. uh, What was her? Yeah. I think it was Edmondson. Yeah. I think it was. So I, I was hearing the story of Sarah Edmondson. And I actually had listened to a podcast in 2018 where it was some guy that went to camp with her, I guess, when they were younger and he ran into her and was like, oh, what have you been up to? Like, well, I just got out of a sex cult. And he was like, tell me everything. And there was a podcast pretty much. um, And it's, I will plug it because it was a good one. It was um, by the CBC. And Ooh. it was called Uncover, Escaping Nexium. And it was very much along, kind of the, followed the chronological um, story that was presented in this HBO documentary. And I think it's crazy. It just like, it's interesting because I can see so many things in this cult aligning with other cult stories that I've looked into or listened yes. to, you know, beforehand. But it's just crazy to think that something like this could happen so recently, I think. For, oh, yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, and I think along the lines of what you were saying, Keith Ranieri, the leader of Nexium, just has so much in common with other cult leaders over the years. Exactly. Um, on October 27th, Keith was actually um, sentenced to 120 years in prison, yes. which is awesome news. And I think what really had this sentence passed is not just the fact that he was cruel, he was perverse, he was nasty, he did horrible things to these victims. Um, but above all else, even after like going through this whole court experience, everything like that, um, Keith still maintained his innocence. He still, you know, just was unmoved, was un, you Such know, an changed. Ego. Such an ego, such a 
like psychopath, honestly. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, like true blue here. Yeah. Um, but he ended up getting, you know, convicted to racketeering, sex trafficking, sexual exploitation of a child, and human trafficking. So these are pretty serious offenses. And to show no guilt, no remorse, and to still, you know, in the face of all these accusations, maintain your innocence? Come right. on. I mean, yeah. how can you be so cold? Well, no. you're a psychopath. So. Yeah, yeah. No, and it, it, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but l- looking at the end of it, when he first was um, arrested and put in jail for this, it reminded me so much of um, the Warren Jeffs and the polygamous cult. He essentially, you know, created yes. when he went to jail, he's still con- controlling that cult now. And at the very beginning, Keith Ranieri was trying to do the same thing. And people were still following what he said while he was in jail. And it's just, it's crazy. It's just, it's it's so textbook personality type, Jim Jones, like all these other people, you know, that become these um, cult leaders. It's so textbook, but Starting off with his background, just to give a little bit, because I feel like it's always interesting to see, I don't know, just know a little bit of where people grew up, what their parents were like, stuff like that. So the very basics, Keith Ranieri was born in New York on August 26th, 1960. His father, James, was a New York advertiser in New York City, and his mother, Vera, was a ballroom dancer, which is very interesting. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I want to see if there's, you always try to like go back and see if there's anything that could be like, oh, that was the defining thing that kind of made yeah, him that messed him up or whatever yeah but i i don't think like he just had a very kind of typical childhood um his father later on did say that he the parents realized that he wasn't an intelligent child and they pretty much you know told him like wow you're very gifted you're very intelligent and almost like jim jones if you ever go back and look at kind of his childhood a little bit where he kind of fed off of that, like uh, a, a flip switched, a switch yeah. flipped <laughs> um, where he was like, wow, I really am this, this godlike person who is just so much better than everybody else. And his mother actually said that she would hear him talking to girls all the time. These girls were calling on the phone and she would overhear him because again, this is like time of landlines where you can only go right yeah and she would hear him saying the same thing to every single one of them like you're the special one you're important you're the only one in my life and i love you oh my god yeah creepy it's just like and she even you know said later on like wow he's very manipulative because Mm -hmm. clearly they're not all the one Um, right yeah so and then he went through high school blah 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 and then graduated in 1982 from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute with only a GPA of 2.26. Which, keep that in mind, because yeah. he held himself out as some kind of super genius. Exactly. And, you know, maybe I'm getting too ahead of ourselves here, but he, you know, talked about having this incredibly high um, IQ. I, thank you, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's like the word search problems. But he had this incredibly high IQ. It was supposed to be like the highest score, whatever. And come to find out, you know, down the road 
that his incredibly high IQ was, first of all, a weird test that, you know, (laughs) is not the norm, (laughs) normal IQ test that people take. It's some strange test that nobody's ever heard of. And secondly, (laughs) he was written up in the Guinness Book of World Records. And, you know, that was his big tagline, like, he was in the Guinness Book for having this genius IQ, whatever. Turns out he was only in one edition of the Guinness Book, and that was in <laughs> 1989, and it was the Australian version. Oh. So this guy, I mean, he <laughs> held himself out as being a genius. He did a great job of painting himself as a genius, but as you said, and as this other information would point to, he wasn't all that special. No, no. And honestly, even, I guess, his parents again during this time were saying that he, during college, was bragging about Um, all these upper level math and science classes that he was taking. But yet again, given his GPA when he graduated, like he barely passed them. Right. You know, you can already see kind of the seeds of this ego and like you said, sociopath, psychopath, whatever you want to call him um, developing there. And then, so just kind of to tie up where he went into after graduating He went right into these MLMs, these multi-level marketing schemes. Which for those of you who don't know what an MLM is, I mean, it's basically a pyramid scheme, you know, and the levels make up a triangle, which is a pyramid, which it's all a scheme. It's all this recruitment based (laughs) stuff. They make up a pyramid and it's a scheme. And it's a scheme. It's a pyramid (laughs) scheme. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he was in this type of design from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. The first one that he got into, which I've heard about this, but I've I don't know much about it, is Amway. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was involved in this in the 80s before he really kind of got going and his whole Keith Ranieri, you know, godlike setting up his own MLM. So Um, That was kind of his first foot into it was Amway. And it's crazy. So in the 90s, he founded Consumers Byline, which was another pyramid scheme. And it's unclear why Keith got all the credit for being this like business genius again, when basically all the businesses he founded were failures. Yeah. Um, Consumers Byline failed. It closed. um, And Keith was sort of looking around for his next business. And so he created what was known as, at the time, Executive Success Programs. And that's ESP for short, not to be confused with uh, extrasensory, whatever. (laughs) He only had five senses, but he, they were all muted by his obvious Uh, psychosis. So in the 90s, self-improvement was really taking off with like Tony Robbins and all these other self-help gurus. And it was really popular to go to these self-improvement seminars and sort of have your life changed. It was this big kind of pumped up event where this self-help guru would speak to all these people in a seminar fashion and people would leave with this new lease on life. So Keith seized on that. He teamed up with a lady by the name of Nancy Salzman to create Nexium. And none of these ideas behind his cult, (laughs) um, behind his organization were very original. It, you know, really was just a conglomeration of all these other sources. Yeah. The multi-level marketing was copied from Amway, his original company that you just talked about. The seminar structure was copied from these Earhart seminars that were used for training. 
um, objectivism, which was the philosophy behind Nexium, was copied from Ayn Rand. The idea of auditing or re-experiencing. Yes, this is what I was going to say. Yeah. Good old, we which, got our good old Scientology over here and suppressives. Exactly. Like, Feel free to hop in yes. anytime. These oh. classic suppressives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this whole idea of auditing or re-experiencing these painful life-altering so, incidents. Yeah, it's so clearly like copying and taking these other rip. pieces. Yeah. Yes, right out of Scientology. And Nancy Salzman was really the perfect person to do oh, yes. this with because before she came to Keith and before they partnered up, Bonnie and Clyde for the new generation, Ugh. Nancy specialized in neuro-linguistic programming or NLP. Yeah. And this was created in like, I think the 60s or 70s and it was essentially this method of speaking or communicating with somebody to elicit certain feelings from them that they don't realize you're speaking in this particular way, you're communicating this particular way, but you're making them feel a way, some way or another, just by the way that you're speaking and the patterns that you use, the tone of voice that you use, um, different kind of facial, you know, it's yeah it's kind of hypnotism in a way too like just yes. the you know it became popular to try to get into your subconscious to actually you know get to the root of the cause of of what you're doing today as an adult right right so it was really this scary combination of specialties that this Nancy Salzman mm. had because she was into hypnosis she was into neurolinguistic pathways and she was perfect to kind of penetrate the mind in that initial way when yep. she first, you know, when people first started coming to the seminars, she's the first face they saw. She's the first person that communicated with them. And it was through a screen, but even so she just used these patterns to manipulate. She used them to penetrate and she just got her clutches into folks from the very beginning. Yeah. And I do think it was funny with starting out with Sarah again, it's kind of she's kind of our um, like point person, our guide through this documentary of The Vow, if you watch that. And I just thought it was so funny that she was like, I came to this seminar and I was like, oh my God, this is so awful. It's straight out of the eighties. And I couldn't stop staring at her eyebrows because- Yes, that's so <laughs> true. Was, and meanwhile, if you so thought funny. Nancy's eyebrows were bad, how about her daughter, Lauren's oh, eyebrows? Yeah, Lauren, yeah. Lauren <laughs> needs some help over here. Um, <laughs> they were very tadpole-like yes. and she becomes- Although that is very, well, true. It's very It's 90, very of the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very tadpole-like. Sperm eyebrows, as we like Sperm to call Sperm brows, for sure. Yeah. But- uh, yep. So Nexium really started off as this kind of piece of crap organization, <laughs> and it really shouldn't have survived, but there was this injection of money from the Seagram's mm -hmm. liquor heiresses, exactly. Claire and Sarah Bronfman, yep. Bronfman, and they're the daughters of the Seagram's Corporation's leader, Edgar Bronfman. Just crazy money. So much money, insane amounts, and yeah. because of the money that these heiresses brought in, Nexium could just, it could do so much more. Money just opened so many different doors. Yeah. And one of those doors was getting the Dalai Lama in. That was insane. But I loved insane. it. Again, I'm going to go back to the documentary because I feel like he even like, yeah, I'm paid kind of to be here. And like a lot of people have pulled strings to get me to be here. But he yes. like smelled through the bullshit right away. I thought. Like, yeah, the Dalai Lama. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. His holiness was like, 
F this. Like yeah. I might be holy, but this story is full of holes and I can <laughs> yeah. sense them. Um, exactly. Even in like the footage between um, Keith Raniere and the Dalai Lama, you just get the sense that the Dalai Lama is like, yeah, okay. Like just sort of like, I have to be here because I was paid, but yeah. by the same token, like what the hell am I doing here? This guy's a nut. Yeah. But before I guess getting to that, so I wanted to maybe give just a little bit of background on how this whole thing was set up in good old Nexium. Yes. And kind of some of the creepiness. So this was, uh, again, like you had said, a program that was set up really to start to help individuals on this self-improvement path. And we already start to get into some creepiness with um, the name choices. So yes. Keith would then be referred to as Vanguard and uh, Nancy would be referred to as Prefect. And yes. Of course, in the documentary, you know, and in these courses, they went into this whole background of why they chose these names. Vanguard, it's the forefront of action, leading new developments and ideas. Um, and then Prefect, it's the kind of su senior student teacher. And these were kind of their roles in the company. But I think the funny thing was that it kind of went back to Keith chose this name Vanguard because it was his favorite character or favorite video arcade game. And I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh he apparently God. had one of these old video arcade games in his garage and Oof. it was called Vanguard or the main character was Vanguard and it dealt with the destruction of one's enemies. And when you, you know, killed these enemies, you gained more power. Wow. Does that not sound... Prophetic. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. You know, they love to just interject these meanings behind things, but it's really like, oh, I just loved Pac Man. So call me Pac Man. Call me Pac Man. <laughs> well, what's really funny too, or interesting, is that, you know, Keith went by Vanguard, but all cult leaders have a special name that distinguishes them yes, from everybody else. Yeah. And this is just a really common thread with all these cult leaders they yep. always are referred to as some high and mighty special name um and what's really funny again i'm like jumping around here but there actually was an entire vanguard week yes. that nexium held and it was essentially this adult summer camp that was also a celebration <laughs> of you guessed it keith's oh. birthday whoa gee because it's not all about you enough no. Uh, <laughs> and so basically what they did during this birthday week for Keith were a lot of what they call high arousal techniques. Mm. And it would just be a full week of high energy, high excitement, oh, high activity, Sounds keeping like people busy. <laughs> yeah, it's such a nightmare. Um, and it's the people have very little time to themselves. They have very little oh, reflection time. Yeah. And there would be this big birthday um, at the end, this big birthday party and all of the different centers from around the world would practice a little routine and perform it for Keith for his oh birthday. So it was just, it's all these techniques are just interwoven within yeah. the different um, kind of activities sponsored by Nexium, the different events that they put on. It's just so clear how folks were manipulated yeah. so easily. But anyway, so he's Vanguard and we're 
talking about how Nexium kind of came together and how it was structured. So the the main kind of backbone of this whole organization were these courses, and they started out with this 12-point mission statement where it's all kind of ritualistic, which you can see how that goes into kind of controlling people and creating goals for them to strive for and getting them indoctrinated into this type of thinking. And this mission statement, they were pledging to purge themselves of all parasite and envy-based habits. Um, They were looking to enroll others, MLM. Of course. Yeah. And to ethically control as much of the money, wealth, and resources of the world as possible within my success plan. All right. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Great, great goals there. Um, So Nexium was publicly advertised as kind of this professional development company that offered these seminars. And it was actually estimated that from the 1990s, so again, it was founded in 1998 through, I guess, kind of the end of it. So almost 20 20 years about, there were about 18,000 people who attended these seminars. It's a ton. It's a lot. I mean, it's, it's a lot considering as I think, you know, you have some info on too, who some of these individuals were and how involved they got. But it was really this intensive therapy that it was several days long. So it was really 12 hours for 16 days, which is just nuts. Definitely an intensive. Yes. Um, (laughs) And the price, we don't know specifically, but it's been cited that the price could be around $7,500. So you're not getting just anyone off the street to sign up for these intensives. And they had some interesting course names. Um, The relationship, relationship sourcing was one where students were instructed to explore the benefits they would receive in the event of a partner's sudden death. Yikes. Okay. They're just setting up, they're just setting up some murderers who, you know, are going to, again, look at the insurance policy. Right. Exactly. Look at the life insurance. Life insurance. There we go. One of our main points. Um, so there were other weird courses. Some of them were Best People, Perfect World, and The Heroic Struggle, Dracula and His Ghouls. Who knows what that means? Right. But the main practice that, again, goes back to Scientology, like you were talking about, and the auditing that was the, you know, one of the core uh, principles of Scientology is this practice of EM. They love their acronyms. I know. And there's so many acronyms, which, you know, makes it seem so cutesy and not yeah. so nefarious well, and horrible. so official too. Like, oh, he's in, he's in EM. Like, okay. Yeah. You got to be in the know. But it pretty much means the exploration of meaning. And it really involved senior members questioning their participants as they kind of went back in their, into their childhood memories And they were trying to dig up why they thought a certain way or why they needed control in a certain way. And to a degree, I feel like it's legitimate, but the way they went about it to me just felt like gaslighting. It was like, well, why do you need control? What if you let go of control? And, Mm -hmm. and like, in theory, it's, it, it makes sense. Like, okay, I think that's a good thing to explore. Like, why do I think like that? But to me, 
it just seemed like a lot of gaslighting in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. And they would talk about how it was like cramming 10 years of therapy into like one 10 minute session or something. Right, right. And what I think also really caused this to be an effective and scary tactic mm-hmm. was the fact that a lot of the time BCMs weren't happening in like a chair in a private office with oh, a psychologist. So true. They weren't happening, you know, in a doctor's office. They weren't right. happening. They weren't being done by a, men- a medical mental health professional. They right. were being done first of all, in front of usually a room full of people who were yeah. also attending the seminar. Ugh. And secondly, they were being done by these people who, yeah, Nancy had, you know, specialized in her linguistics and her hypnosis, but she wasn't a mental health professional. No. So no. there was really nothing stopping Keith and Nancy from just using this to their full yeah. advantage. Exploiting to hurt it. people. Yeah. And it's, it's just really, it's frightening. Yep. Um, so they could really manipulate to the full extent. Um, and a lot of the time, which, you know, you can imagine why this happened, people actually suffered psychotic breaks oh, during the I courses um, as a combination of the sleep deprivation they were going through. Like you mm-hmm. talked about the mind control techniques, people would just lose it. And again, the blame was kind of shifted back to the victims. Of course. And they were the ones who had to answer for it. They were the ones who had to explain, you know, well, why are you so weak? Yeah, it's, why it's did you? It's a fault in you that, yes. that causes this. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So um, just one of the ways in which one of the um, tactics for moving up within the company, the company was all based on this stripe path which was mm. a ranking system and they had these special colored sashes that would go, <laughs> which it's so similar to karate. And it's oh, so clear yeah, that Keith yeah. is just like this <laughs> martial arts dweeb. Yeah. Um, but you would have different colors based on the different level that you were at. And the only way to move up again, this is a classic pyramid scheme system 100%. was to recruit other people and to keep taking more classes. So you're putting your own money into the company again, pyramid yeah. scheme, um, and you're enrolling other people. So you're making money for the company before you are ever making money through the company yourself. Exactly. Um, so eventually if you continue to take classes and recruit people, you could move up to becoming a proctor Whoa. who was responsible for <laughs> running the centers and enrolling people. Shocker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically created this illusion of a merit-based system and being promoted based on your merits. But in fact, Keith had full control over who progressed within the company. Right. And oftentimes, just as luck would have it, the prettier, thinner women would move up a lot faster than anybody else. Shocker. Yeah, it was these attractive, wealthy, um, beautiful women who would move up. So there were just a lot of these indoctrinated systems of control within the company where every aspect of each person's daily life was controlled until eventually a new self would be created and you would really lose your critical function. Yeah. So folks even who were at a lower level within Nexium who weren't making money through Nexium yet were sent on these guilt trips for any moves they made within their lives that were not Nexium related. So it's just, it's scary to think that, like we said from the beginning, they had their clutches in these folks and would just indoctrinate these ideas of 
well, what's wrong with you? Right. Well, you know, what is it about you that's Again, making you think this Again, it's all gaslighting to me. It's all gaslighting. It's like, professional gaslighting at this grand yeah. level. Um, but even parts of life that were as simple as Keith's tendency to kiss people on the mouth, he would always oh, greet people with mouth kisses. Me out so badly. So creepy. But he did this for a very specific reason. He would oh, kiss every single person this. on the mouth. Yeah. Okay. And if you would question it, the group would turn on you as somebody who's not self-aware enough. Why is this practice making me feel this way? What's wrong with me that I feel this way? And eventually this practice was so simple, but it desensitized people. So they would be willing to participate in more and more horrific things and more and more like stuff that was edgy stuff that wouldn't sit right. Um, it was it's like grooming. It's like with children that are like abused, actually yes. abused. It's this kind of, well, this isn't that bad. This isn't that big of a deal. And it just kind of builds and builds and builds. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Um, so people would, you know, give more and more of their time and energy to the program because again, you know, you're meant to just be kept super duper busy, very sleep right. deprived. Um, because that's how they would break folks down in order to rebuild their personality from the ground up and get rid of those critical functions. Um, And you would become a coach. And as you're working as a coach, just all your time would go into the program. All your energy would go into the program. You would turn against yourself. You'd turn against your family and friends until eventually you just, you had no network aside from, um, Nexium. Yeah. Everything was Nexium based. Your friends were Nexium. Your family was Nexium. Your job was Nexium. So you're totally reliant. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is Betsy Boss Podcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) 